0: that time of year, dim the lights, lie down in front of the fireplace, hold each other close, and celebrate Black History Month. Aw, yeah. Hello and welcome to a very romantic episode of Fire and Water Records, a proud part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and with me as usual is the Be Mine Candy Heart to my XOXO Candy Heart. He's the Cupid whose arrows all look like Van Halen guitars for some reason. Please welcome my brother, Neil Daly. What's up, brother? (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.
1: (laughs) <laughs> boy thank you for making me laugh because after that slow seductive intro i got a little you know a little bit warm under the yeah. collar i was yeah, like oh, yeah. a, little,
0: a little flushed yeah yeah a
1: little <laughs> flushed, a little flushed. i'm catching feelings
0: so <laughs> yeah. uh by popular demand folks you are listening to the first of what Probably will be an annual event known as a very daily Valentine. Uh, the show that dares you to ask how many love songs can they play before Shania Twain's You're Still the One? <laughs>
1: And we should also point out that you know it's it's no surprise to me or you that when people think of romantic Valentine's Day themes, they think of the Daily Brothers. So it, it was only <laughs> a matter of, it was it was just a matter of time until we got around to this. Yeah
0: do you, do you remember the inspiration for this episode? One of our uh, listeners brought it up.
1: Yeah, yeah, it came from it. I, I actually, I want to say it just came after this past Christmas episode. I think <laughs> it was in the comments section. I think it was Clint Robinson, maybe. Maybe it was, and I think he threw it out there kind of – I don't know if it was in jest or not, but we both kind of thought, wow, that's a great idea. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I would say love songs are probably the predominant theme of all songs written in the history of music. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. it was basically – it was Valentine's Day or Arbor Day, one of those two. It was like, all right, (laughs) toss a coin, which one do we want to
1: tackle first? Yeah, and it was was a toss-up, so – so, yeah. So, folks, that's that's kind of what
0: the show is going to be. It's a it's a tribute to Valentine's Day love songs in general. But even that, we kind of wanted to make it our own, make it a Daily Brothers thing. So we are going to talk about some songs, and we're going to talk about our personal connections to the songs, when and how we chose them. And we, we kind of went back and forth in this and how we were going to curate our personal lists because... What even qualifies as a love song? And, and like, there's a lot of things in there. So we talked about, you know, or, or what, what makes it a certain Valentine's Day episode? You know, is this a song that you would play for a candlelight dinner? Is this like a romance thing? Is this a song about longing? Or is it even a song about heartbreak, heartache? Does that fall into a category of love song? And is that appropriate for Valentine's Day? Because certainly a lot of us have spent some lonely, crappy Valentine's Days when we're not with the person we want and maybe a divorce song or a breakup song would be appropriate in that case. And certainly there is the, we're getting, we're getting down tonight type of song. So we're going <laughs> to, we're going to try and spread it out and, and touch on a lot of those different themes, a lot of those different aspects. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll address those when we get to them.
1: Yeah, we, we definitely agreed that, um, you know, this, this would be an all encompassing theme. We don't want to leave anybody out and, in in doing so, there are plenty of people that don't find the romance in Valentine's Day. Maybe they've got bad memories, maybe they got sad memories, maybe you know, maybe they were duped into dating a girl the first week of February, not even realizing that she was just trying to set you up for Valentine's Day, <laughs> like like Alexia did to me by having our first date be February 9th. And I've walked right into that one. Oh my <sighs> god. I That's know. A trap I know. For me. So yeah, so so where you know it's Valentine's Day is not for lack of a better phrase all wine and roses. Uh, it's it's got some some good, some down, and some getting down.
2: Yeah,
0: well at least I know for this particular Valentine's Day I'm taking my wife to the airport. So
1: <laughs> boy, that's a great idea. I should <laughs> boy I wonder if I could send Alexia somewhere. Yeah, just get her a trip. <laughs> yeah, nice. All right. Um well we
0: we as usual we have a couple of songs each uh we're going to go back and forth on ours. Uh and Neil you you're first up this time. You got the first song on our list. So uh kick us off. What are, what's the first thing we're going to be listening to?
1: Okay, well I am going to choose one of the happier songs on my list uh to kick <laughs> off the, <laughs> to kick off this Valentine's Day episode of Very Daily Valentines. Um I'm going to go with uh Ed Sheeran's Romantic Amazingly romantic love song, thinking out loud.
3: Darling, I will be loving you till we're seventy. Baby, my heart could still fall as hard at twenty-three. And I'm thinking about. Touch of a hand. Well, me a fool.
1: The song for a number of reasons. Uh, I first saw this, believe it or not, I, I saw this played live on a Victoria's Secret Christmas fashion show when they used to air the Victoria's Secret show every like December for a couple of years, and uh they usually had like three artists perform live on the runway while models were walking by and lingerie and stuff like that so that's already instantly romantic uh but that was the first time i discovered the song and i heard it and it was great and it was just a slow ballad acoustic track that he played alone with no band and then shortly after that i think uh i saw boy it was at a time when i was watching uh the the reality competition show so you think he can dance I was watching that on Fox and a couple of years of that show and I loved it and they always they I I discovered a lot of great music from some of the dance pieces on that show but this song uh one of the uh this song, Ed made a video for the song with one of the dancers on that show her name was Allison and I tell you another story about Allison shortly after, uh, I did meet her and her husband, who was a dancer on the show named Twitch, Stephen Boss, who recently passed away from suicide within the last two months. <laughs> and yeah, and I met both of them and had conversations with them because they lived in the same neighborhood I lived in. Anyway, we're getting totally off the subject, but they're wonderful people and I feel horrible for Allison and her three children. <laughs> but She appeared in the video for Thinking Out Loud with Ed Sheeran, and Ed Sheeran, actually, the whole song is a dance piece, like a waltz, um, for three and a half minutes, four minutes, and I saw some behind-the-scenes footage of it, of them making this, and boy, he looked like a fish out of water. It It was really pretty funny seeing him try to dance with a professional, but it was great. Uh, It was cute. It was a a really cool video. Just if you want to watch the choreography, it was fantastic. But more importantly... Uh, I chose this song specifically because I love the lyrics and what the lyrics do in this song are, it tells the story of still being in love with someone after spending a lifetime with them. So this is not one of those like, Oh, I just saw her in my, you know, I saw her face and blah, blah, blah. And I fell in love instantly. This is, this kind of tells the story about what happens when you're old and gray and you still look at that person and they still light a spark in you. And I thought that was just um an amazing choice for a love song that you don't hear a whole lot of. And I love it. And uh, so that I thought was it was a perfect, perfect song choice to open up this episode for me.
0: It's a, it is a great one. Um, and I don't know if uh, I'm lucky or not, because this song flew under my radar when it came out. I don't know what it was, but I don't think I even heard of Ed Sheeran until it was kind of fashionable to bad mouth how popular he was how (laughs) how quickly he became popular right so like before i even knew who he was it was everybody like oh god another ed sheeran song or something like that
2: yeah
1: and
0: it was kind of so like i i don't think i even paid attention to this song until a couple of years ago and when i heard it i was like all right let me actually like find out what this is about i was like Okay, this is a damn good song, <laughs> and and it, like you can like point out how ominous it is, but like the phraseology and the sort of insight and like the poetics of the song, and how simple and uh, the, like the the musicality. Of it. It's just, yeah, it's a very sweet and very just yeah. It's a, yeah it's a great love song it's good yeah. one to open up.
1: Yeah, really quick uh side footnote about Ed Sheeran. I actually saw him in live once before he was popular. He came through LA and opened for the band Snow Patrol. And in mm. an X ex- girlfriend of mine who was dating somebody else that I was friends with, um, had brought, uh, got extra tickets to see them at the Palladium. And it was like, do you want to go see snow patrol? We've got two extra tickets. And I was like, no, why would I want to go see snow patrol?
2: (laughs) I remember you
0: telling me you saw them (laughs) live and you hated it.
1: Yeah. Oh, it was awful. But, but then I was like, why would I do that? And she was like, come on, come on. You know, we've got these extra tickets, find a friend or something. I was like, somehow I got roped into it. And I remember telling a buddy of mine that I worked with, um, I was like, Hey man, you want to go see snow patrol? And he was like, no, no, why, why? <laughs> and I said, okay, listen, it's going to be at the palladium, which holds, I don't know, 5,000 people, something like that. Um, and it's probably will probably be the only single guys there. So he was like, all right, screw it, let's go. And we went and and we went and we got there early enough to see Ed Sheeran open up. Now, my buddy was just walking around, you know, like, you know, looking at, you know, four four five hundred 4,500 girls that were, you know all probably it was actually it was a weird combination of like girls that were like in their late teens and their mothers that was that was the audience there but i saw ed sheeran play and i was actually instantly immediately kind of fascinated by the fact that he could play by himself on stage and basically play a show and i thought that was weird to play a theater show with not a band you know and he did things with his loop pedal which was cool so he could make it sound multi-instrumental um stuff which i thought was really neat but that was my that was my experience with Ed Sheeran and both of us uh we got a few numbers that night <laughs> fantastic
0: <laughs> all right so the first track for me for a very daily Valentine's is try me by James Brown and the famous flames
4: try me,
2: try me.
0: Time I heard the song, I think, was in the movie Untamed Heart, starring Christian Slater, Marissa Tomei, and Rosie Perez. Uh, one of my favorite romantic movies, especially from that 1990s period. Uh, after I saw I had a hardcore crush on Marissa Tomei, uh, and then Rosie Perez, <laughs> and then probably Christian Slater, too.
1: Yeah, uh, good hair.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, But besides its inclusion in that movie, this song takes me back to where I was at that time, in the middle, uh, mid-90s, and probably my first unrequited love. I'd had crushes on girls before, since going all the way back to kindergarten, talked to girls, kind of flirting. I had my first kiss, third grade, fourth grade, maybe. Um, But junior high, and especially, I think, eighth grade, was the first time when I had these feelings like, whoa. And it was a one-sided love. Uh, This girl was my friend. She trusted me. I hate to use the word friend zone, but that is essentially what it was um, because she had this boyfriend who totally sucked. I I hated the guy. He was a jackass. And she didn't respond to my feelings. So like then, when we had an eighth grade school dance or something, I asked a different girl that I knew this girl hated (laughs) <laughs> um, just to kind of hurt her feelings, to kind of punish her, which I know is a shitty thing to do. It's bad behavior. I don't think it quite borders on incel behavior because I was 14 at the time, but yeah, I know it wasn't a good thing. Um, and it does it, re- recall that love makes you do sometimes cruel things in addition to all of the, the nicer aspects of yeah, it. Like like um, put somebody on a plane
1: on Valentine's Day.
0: <laughs> there, there you go. Um, but anyway... This song and, and my inclusion of it has none of that negativity. Um it's really it it reminds me though of sitting on the bathroom floor or sitting in the bathtub, not drunk for actually once in my life, um, but just being really <laughs> mopey and depressed. Um, because of this girl, my the, my first love. And again, wasn't my first crush or my first girlfriend or lover, obviously, but I consider her my first love because she is the person who excited me and and elicited those kinds of, she had that kind of effect on my heart and my emotions, the way that you could feel that longing and that want for connection and that pain when it's not reciprocated uh, is why I consider that my first love. But really, it, like just being in that time, being in that moment in that particular era, this song reminds me of it. Even though it's not a negative song, it doesn't have that long, but it is "Try Me." It's it's very beautiful, but it's also very simple. I mean, mm-hmm. lyrically, there's like seven phrases in the whole song. <laughs> That's it. it um, it's extremely basic, but in that way, it also kind of feels pure and innocent and childlike. Yeah. Um, in in its kind of uh, aspect of love and desire, and even again a little bit of that one sidedness. Um, and and that you know demand for for love and for connection, but yeah. So really, this this song is more about the place where it puts me when I hear it and what it reminds me of uh, sure. emotionally. But that just it's it's a damn good song. Like this would be in my top twenty songs of all time anyway, just because I love like the sonics of this particular James
1: Brown song. I kind of I'm right there with you in terms of having this be a top, a top song. Uh, This would make, you know, we've talked for, you know, endlessly in the past about, like my cultivating the perfect wedding playlist. This will always make that list. Um, It's got all the aspects I like. It's got the the fifties, sixties Motown era sound kind of thing. It's James Brown. It's, it's a, it's a ballad. It's a romantic ballad. It's a perfect tempo for slow dance It's just Mm -hmm. it's 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 perfect in that sense. It is simple and it is kind of a plea for some. So I can understand exactly where you were at that place. This song, how it would mean something to you when you're like kind of begging somebody to give you a shot. Kind of thing, yeah. I, I feel that with you. I do remember the movie. Uh, I think that, I think that was probably the first time I heard it too. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, from Untamed Heart. I do remember that. Uh, an interesting footnote about this song, which makes it so quintessential, James Brown. James Brown apparently took soul writing credit, soul songwriting credit for the song. And it was stolen from somebody else. <laughs> so, and, and he claimed it was his and and never gave up residuals or royalties on it, even Marshall. though somebody else says that they wrote it. So I thought yeah. that was – yeah, it's James Brown. You know, that's, that's perfect.
0: Yeah. The other movie uh, – the song is used to great effect in the movie Get On Up, which was the James Brown oh, yeah. biopic yeah. Uh, starring the late and great Chadwick Boseman. Uh, yes. Maybe his best performance. I thought he did an amazing job uh, as James Brown. I don't know how much I like the movie, but he – uh in the role was was fantastic. Um and this song plays at the very end and he does it almost a cappella. Like he yeah. sings the first two thirds of the song without the backup band. Yep. Um and it, it's yeah, it's it's emotional. It's good.
1: So. Yeah, and that was cool. It was cool placement in the movie because this also uh this this song apparently like got him kind of back. Like he hadn't had a hit for a like. Yeah, this was a number one.
0: This was his first number one in a while.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was cool. And and again, it's 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 everything in a Valentine's Day episode. It's it's everything. It's the perfect, you know, romantic candlelight fireplace glass of wine slow dance song.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. Where do we go from there?
1: Okay, well, keeping in with what I consider like perfect wedding songs um, and for for romance and for Valentine's day, uh, I'm gonna go with one of the classic movie tracks, uh, most romantic movie songs of all time, "Someone Like You" by Van Morrison.
4: I've been traveling a hard road They've been looking for someone exactly like you. I've been carrying my heavy load, waiting for the light to come shining through. Someone like you, bring it all worthwhile. Someone like you,
1: make me satisfied. Someone exactly. So the reason I mentioned the movie track, since we were, we were going with Try Me from Untamed Heart, uh, someone like you, I think was in every Meg Ryan movie ever made. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's appeared in all of them. Um, it's, 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 it's just, I mean, it's beautiful. The lyrics are, are kind of, you know, there's not a whole lot of depth to it. It's, it very, it's very ABC-ish in terms of spelling out what the song's about. My interpretation of the song, Is and this is open to discussion, I suppose, but I always interpreted it as a little bit of like the, when Harry met Sally kind of thing. Like I thought it was more like this guy has been searching his whole life for love and then didn't realize it was the person next to him all along. And, that was you know that's what i kind of envisioned this like when he's describing you know i've been searching for someone like you i think that was kind of at that moment when he realizes no it is you and that's yeah. that's just the way i i i interpreted it but van morrison you know we both have an affinity for our family likes our mom loves van morrison this i did play this at my wedding i believe you played a van morrison song at yours um, it's, it's just a perfect staple for a Valentine's day episode. And this is probably my favorite van, van Morrison song.
0: Yeah. It, like van Morrison was always in our house. We grew up with him on the radio, uh, in extraordinary talents. Um, we were talking earlier before this recording about like those all too perfect albums that have like no skips. I think moon dance comes mm-hmm. very close to that category mm-hmm. where I like every song on that album. Um, Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, this is one of those things where during the pandemic, Van Morrison revealed himself to be <laughs> kind of a shithead yeah. um, and a and, uh, borderline COVID denier and, and didn't really want his shows canceled, even if hundreds of thousands of people were dying. So it's hard to support him, but also can't deny the influence he and, and just like the amount of time we've spent listening to him over the years and, yeah. and where this, yeah, we, where he fits in this category.
1: Yeah, I, I you know there's there's obvious reasons for you know it's unfortunate that we live in a very cancel culture-ish society where right. there's there's always going to be people that maybe we shouldn't talk about or something like right. that. But if you take the drunk Irishman out of this and <laughs> base, you know I'm just I'm just I'm not judging him as a person. I'm not at all in favor of some of his political. You can look choices. at the product itself. Yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. And I'm just going based on the song choice. So if anybody yeah. out there turns this off because we put a Van Morrison song in it. I apologize.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Um, still keeping with that theme, though, with the, the wedding song theme, um, my, my wedding song. Um, the next one we got is Can't Help Falling in Love by Elvis Presley.
2: Take my hand. Take my
0: Going so long without an Elvis song, we're not doing two episodes in a row with Elvis. <laughs> I know,
1: and this isn't even the Elvis episode,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and this has always been my favorite Elvis song, but I didn't want it to be my wedding song initially, um, because I thought it was kind of too obvious. And I think mm-hmm. you and I are both that if we can find uh, something that wouldn't be the expected, the the sort of cliche will always try to be more original, more creative than that. Um, Because surely countless couples have done their first dance as bride and groom. You can't help falling in love.
1: Do you know that in a 2020 survey with, I think it was called on by uh, was this was the survey company in 2020, this song was voted history's most requested first dance song for weddings. (laughs) <laughs>
0: of course it was of course it was of course so, it was <laughs> whether I'm in good company or not, I'm in a lot of company yeah um and and the the funny thing is like as i as i didn't as I resisted this, it wasn't like Angie fought me on this song um but I was in charge of the music for our wedding. We hired a DJ, but, and you were the same way. I actually, I was modeling, I I copied the same way you did. We got a DJ, and then I was like, this is a list of the songs (laughs) that you can play. This is a list of songs you absolutely will play. This is a list of songs you won't play. This is a specific version of Pete Townsend's Let My Love Open the Door (laughs) that I edited myself. Yeah. To have a certain effect, and this is when you need to play it, etc., like that, like yeah. really just kind of like like put all this on the DJ. Yeah. The only songs that Angie cared about were her dance with her dad, and then our first dance together. And she kept rejecting my selections; they weren't working. But Angie has always known how to play me. <laughs> I, I give her credit for this. She knows how to talk to me when I might not be receptive to bad news or criticism or rejection. Like if my idea isn't working, she'll say you're outsmarting yourself or you're being too clever by half or something Ooh. because all I'm hearing is hey, I am pretty clever.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and that softens the rejection part of
1: it. Nice. Nice. She's Um, good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I don't even remember how we settled on Can't Help Falling in Love. In fact, I'm not sure why we didn't go with Try Me in in retrospect. Right. But we settled on this song, and it was a compromise. I think at some point you told me – the first dance is going to be so stiff and formal. You're not going to care. You're not going to remember that. It's better to have one of your favorite songs show up somewhere more organically later on in the night because that's what you're going to remember.
1: Yeah. I also pointed out, too, that uh, traditionally in a in the first dance, you don't even dance the whole song by yourselves because sure, about, yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah, you, yeah. you dance like a minute by yourself. And then the bridal party joins and then the parents join. And so, so it's kind of like it's not really – your song anyway right. i i thought it would be better better serve right. for you and angie to dance to have a spotlight dance on your own right. later
0: otherwise you're on your own for six minutes with all eyes on you and it just gets awkward and tedious after a little while so correct um but the other thing as you well know two nights before the wedding i got <laughs> i mean drunk doesn't even begin to describe it uh, <laughs> uh, chemically
1: altered on a yeah. cellular level um yeah you win van morrison <laughs>
0: My blood alcohol level had to be triple digits. Um, I had alcohol poisoning. I should have gone to the hospital, had my stomach pumped. Forget being hungover the next day. I was still drunk throughout the wedding and well into the honeymoon. Um, Maybe that's why I don't remember why we picked the song. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Um, What I do remember, though, is for the wedding, for our honeymoon, uh, we went to Montego Bay, Jamaica. Um, there was flight delays. There was having to get on a different plane, which resulted in lost luggage for a couple of days. There was me <laughs> still vomiting my own weight in Bacardi 101 uh, for a couple of days like, after the wedding and everything. So when we got to Jamaica, literally all I wanted to do was lay down on the beach and let the tide take me into the sea. And you'd Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but by the third day I had recovered and we ended up having a good time. But I remember one night after dinner, we were just walking through the resort and we stumbled into almost stumbled into this little concert in one of the lounge areas. Uh, it was just this tiny little room off of like the main lobby of, of the resort. And it was this reggae group doing like little songs. And it was like four lead singers dressed the same white, like, pants, pink shirts, and everything like that uh, with like a three-piece instrumental backing them. And they were doing Bob Marley songs, of course, and they're like island versions of the Temptations. Right. And of course, they did Can't Help Falling in Love. Now, their version sounded a lot more like the UB-40 version. Right. Which is fine because I also love that version. And there's maybe 15 or 20 people in this little area watching this group perform. Um, Nobody was dancing, but when they started playing the song... I don't know why. I took Angie by the hand and we walked up on the floor and we just started slow dancing to this one. Um, And I have this surreal memory of us dancing and looking down as like a little hermit crab, like walked over my foot and like just on like the the floor because we were so close to the beach. Um, And in that moment, like that was when this became our wedding song. It wasn't actually at the ceremony. It was at the honeymoon in this new context with this new kind of relevance. And it it took on a new, more romantic and special meaning that like, forget the number one, most voted upon like song for the first dances. Like back. I could shut that aside and be like, no, this is why it was meaningful. Like a few days after. And it just became a much more romantic experience because of where we were then.
1: Oh, that's amazing. That's a great story. And that actually, that actually goes kind of part and parcel with a lot of, you know, from a lot of people, I'm somebody who's been married multiple times and, and, I, from other people too, you know, the wedding ceremony and reception for the bride and groom is usually pretty stressful and kind of goes by like in a haze. Yeah. Um. You know, it's, uh, wedding receptions are more for the family and friends. Right. They enjoy it a lot more. So this, I'm, I'm glad that you told me that story. I've never heard that before, but I'm glad you told me that there was a, that this song still kind of came full circle and became your wedding song even after the fact. I think that's awesome. That's a really cool story. Yeah.
0: All right, so enough with the wedding. Let's get to the night after. <laughs> what, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, let's. All right, let's get to the night. The night after. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, probably one of the sexiest songs I've ever heard, and there's a whole lot of backstory behind it. But I gotta go with the unconquerable "Do Me, Baby" by Prince. <laughs> I somehow knew when we discussed this idea, I somehow knew that there would be a Prince song on my Valentine's list. I, you know, through the, the thousands of love songs or uh, obsession songs or uh, romantic songs or sex songs you know um there there was just endless an endless parade of them that i could have chose i think the
0: question was could we limit it to one (laughs) yeah
1: yeah i think i think that probably is and i wanted i I knew that we kind of wanted to have a category a little bit and talk about you know some like the you know, not just the like pg romantic valentine's days but a little bit of the adult you know for for the adults Mm -hmm. and stuff so we knew that there was going to be a category of like getting down songs kind of thing and, uh, so this this one, though, will always always be my favorite sexy prince song of all time um what i think is cool about it if we want to talk about the song just for a second uh the song itself it appeared on the album controversy and everybody remembers that um but it was written in 1979 uh 78 79 with it, one of his childhood buddies andre simone and the reason we know that now is because the prince estate after he died put out the demo version of this song so it was recorded right at the beginning of his career mm-hmm. um which i think is cool um if memory serves, and I don't know if this was on the insert to the the hits in the B-Sides collection, or if it's something I discovered along the way, but there was a story about the recording of the controversy version of this song where Prince went and pressed record in a dimly lit, candlelit studio and had a special guest in there, a mystery guest that nobody knows, and... Played the and recorded the vocals while performing sexual acts in the studio. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: I, I remember that liner note in the Hits and the B-Sides compilation. I think it was, he basically, he had the engineer or the studio tech, basically, he's like, you're going to walk in, you're going to press record, and then you're going to leave.
1: That's it. And the guy, the
0: guy basically just, he said he walked in, the studio was dark, except for like a candle or something like that, and a bed laid out like with satin sheets in the middle of the studio. And he thinks prince was there with somebody else but he couldn't see anything like that and he's like keep your head down push the button walk out
1: yep yeah that's it that's the that's exactly the story that i remember i wasn't sure where i got that from um but anyway this is uh you know for for all the you know lyrically there's not much to say i mean it's all spelled out in front of you the performance of the song has oohs and ahs and and coos and all kinds of It's, it's, it's just, my God, it's just one of the sexiest songs ever. Like I can, I can only imagine how many babies were conceived to this song in, in, in the seventies and (laughs) eighties.
0: Luckily less one because, uh, I may have lost my virginity to, <laughs> after playing this song and I can leave it at that. Um, actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to tell the whole story in it's gory detail. All right. Turn your podcast players to 0.5 speed for this people. <laughs> it was a cold Martin Luther King day in Illinois. So, no, I'm not going to tell. <laughs> tell that whole story. So. Um, <clears throat> no, I can't, I can't say any more. It is. It's just, it's the, the song speaks for itself. It is one of my favorite Prince songs. And we have talked about Prince a lot. Uh, yeah. On this podcast and others, I, I think at this point I've done three different Prince podcasts. Um, and this has always just been one of my, one of my favorites just because of how pure and primal it
1: kind of is in that sense. Um, yeah, just the only thing I would add is that. I remembered, I I discovered this song when I was very, very young. Um, And so I didn't quite know. It didn't evoke any sort of eroticism at the time because I was a child. But I remember distinctly remember kind of having a guilty feeling listening to it, making sure mom and dad didn't hear me listening to it. And I don't know how I got that impression. Like something innate in me knew that I was like, this is like, I'm not like, don't let anybody know you're listening <laughs> to the song. And that's that's kind of, you know, it's like, where were you when you remember? You know, that's that's mm. kind of what that feeling was. Now, of course, as an adult, I came back in, you know, and it, it, once I became a huge Prince fan throughout my adult life and everything, um, it, it, then obviously I was like, oh, yeah, this I'm going to play this song on a mixtape. Every every single girl that I ever want to date is getting this song. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, then that that kind of leads me to the next song. And I'm of two minds. Like In retrospect, part of me feels like I should have saved this for next year because this version is like a diet version of Do Me Baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like having these back-to-back might have been a mistake, but I was also like, if, if there's a chance that we only do one Very Daily Valentines, I have to talk about this one. Um, so the, the next song on our list, people, is Untitled, in parentheses, How Does It Feel by D'Angelo. Yeah, so I knew we needed one of these Getting Down Tonight songs, and I knew you had Prince Covered. Yeah. I thought about doing a press, but I was like, no, we don't need two of those. Um, I, I thought about doing something by the new group, Silk Sonic, uh, mm-hmm. which is the team up of Bruno Mars and Andrew Duck um, which is awesome, g- great, great music of theirs that might make an appearance next year if we do another one. But this song has always been a, a treasured favorite of mine, and I actually discovered it around the same time in high school that I was getting into Prince, because this came out in 98, I believe. And this song was specifically, very deliberately written as a tribute to Prince, yeah. and in particular the sound of controversy and "Do Me Baby," um, within everything from like the, the guitars and the recordings. Lyrically, it's it's kind of the same. It, like the lyrics don't really matter. He's just calling out. Like, they, <laughs> like I actually somebody's talked about like how the lyrics are almost like plagiarized from every generic love song or sex song type of ballad you could pick. And maybe that's why he called it untitled because like this song is just kind of like a fragment of something. The song isn't even like finished. It like abruptly shuts off at the end, yeah. despite being like a seven minute song. Um, And musically it's a little bit weird because of how it starts. There's like a stutter step to the drum track mm-hmm. and then it has a drum machine keeping this perfect time throughout, but musically the rest of the band instruments kind of flutter in and out a little bit jazzy a little bit. And like there's a soft buildup and it starts to build and then kind of brings <laughs> it back down a second. And then we're going back up and then brings it back down. again. And there's kind of like this wavy flowy thing until it starts building to the crescendo. And then it's all vocals and all guitar, really yeah. fuzzy kind of overdubbed guitar. Uh, building up to this crescendo. And it's a, it's a great, just the same type of song where it feels like a sexual experience as you're listening to it. Like he's making love to you through the song. And it cannot, you can't not couple the song with the music video. Yes. Uh, so if, anybody, if you've <laughs> ever seen the music video, it is amazing. It is a one shot of D'Angelo in the nude, just yep. standing in front of you yep. as the camera just kind of spins around and he's singing <laughs> the song to you. And becoming more and more aroused as the song goes on <laughs> you, you see him sweating, and you see him, like, smiling and, like, getting into it, sort of pantomiming the sensation of getting off by the end of it. Uh, it's extraordinary. But, like, yeah, just between the sound, between the video and the whole look and feel of it, it is just a it is a sexual experience that by the time the song climaxes, like, I think, like, one of the reviewers that I read of the song was basically just like, was it good for you? <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> that's good i got i got really nothing else to add to it i think it's a great song choice and i'm yeah. glad you i'm glad you put it on this one um followed following the prince song that i chose even though they're very similar yeah. uh, i'm glad you did it the uh the only interesting footnote to the the history of the song that i found was that apparently he like d'angelo was considering doing a cover song of prince's and wanted to do as a tribute, wanted to do something for uh, something of Prince, and I guess quest love uh, yeah. t- told him it was like, "No man, you can't cover prince <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's taboo you can't yeah. do that and so he did the next best thing, which is to write a new prince song, basically right, right. you know we're right now we're knee deep in the middle of this podcast, and we're getting we're getting into the sexy elements of it and and those two songs. Uh, along with my next one um, are kind of like they're, they're total makeout sesh songs, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's for, for, and that's me keeping a PG. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> well, continue then. you're like, go with that. What is
1: the next one? The next one I got, which is going to be the last one in this theme that we're carrying over right now, but it's, again, it's one of those perfect R and B, like lay down on the couch, make out songs. That's the way love goes by Janet Jackson. This song I chose for a number of reasons. Uh, obviously, the song itself is is classic. Uh, it's it's it was a huge hit and broke Janet out of the cookie cutter uh, sitcom image that she had created for a while. And this made her a sex symbol, and this was this this turned heads. And it was produced by I think Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and that whole that whole nineties thing. Um, but kind of like what we've done a lot with this podcast, I specifically remember like where I was and how this song affected me at the time and stuff. This was right around, it was, it would have been in my either late NIU or maybe I was already at, at, uh, in Los Angeles, but, um, the period of time where I was just straight up into r and b and I yeah. was just every I was straight up into r and b I was going to dance clubs uh all the music one of the greatest eras of dance music ever was that nineties new jack swing kind of thing, and this was in that sweet spot, and I remember this song just had like it had a slow groove to it, the tempo of it, and it samples a james Brown song it samples uh papa don't take no mess mm. um, but slows down the tempo to it um but I remember it—it it, the, the kind of like what you said with the last song. I can't separate this from the video because I remember the video, and this was at a time when MTV played videos, uh, which which was <laughs> way rare. Yeah, way back when. And then I don't know if anybody else had this, but in Los Angeles there was a music channel called the Box, which was a specifically request channel and okay. basi- basically what was it would cost like 99 cents to play a video or something. It played videos on a loop nonstop all day, no advertisements, no nothing but if you wanted to hear your song next, it was like a jukebox where you could dial in a thing and it was 99 cents. You could play whatever video you wanted next and Chris and I were, my roommate Chris and I were addicted to this channel. I mean, God knows how much money we spent on this thing but <laughs> but it was just the coolest thing ever. So you could play your song next on a video channel and it was brilliant. It was great. And the video, I remember, had, like, I remember the look of, it was kind of like Janet in this, like, kind of bohemian, artsy, East Village, New York kind of look. All these guys, all the African Americans and whites uh, intermingling. It was a very sensual video, a very sexual video in an apartment. um, But it had elements to the video of, like, Fiona Apple's criminal
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and like, the breakdown segment Lenny Kravitz's Fly Away, like, there was just mm-hmm. this, like, in this apartment, and you just kind of felt like an orgy was about to break out at <laughs> any moment. And it was a turn-on. And Janet looked fantastic in this video. She was sexy. She was sultry. And lyrically, this song, oh, man, this, 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 I, I, I just... Like you said, I just can't separate the video. That video I carry with me to this day. This is one of one of the sexiest female tracks I've ever seen.
0: It is. It, it really is. Um, it's it so I, I'm glad you picked this one because um, for one thing, I I early on when we were making our list, I had I had a different Janet Jackson song. I had the song again mm. that was in Poetic Justice. Yeah,
1: yeah, I remember. <laughs>
0: That single may have preceded this one or may have come after. I don't remember the exact order, but I remember them around the same time. Anyway, that, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, But no, I'm, I'm glad because I, I had forgotten about this one. I forgot how good this song was and how good the video is. Um And it actually inspired me. Uh, another song kind of in the same same era, same milieu as this one. Different artist though, that I'll probably bring up next year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so that'll be a little bit of a tease but yeah i i don't have much to add on it's just yeah it's a it's a fun song a funky song funky sexy song that i hadn't heard in a long time so i've i've been enjoying hearing this one again just kind of in prep for the show just driving around listening to this one cuz yeah the groove is awesome
1: yeah. yeah yeah so all right how about you
0: all right um uh, for for the next theme I, I wanted to try and explore like something in the Getting back to that realm of sort of longing, desire, unrequited love uh, that has a little bit more of the, the story of how I started the podcast, but not necessarily with that song. So for this one, uh, the song is On the Floor by Perfume Genius.
2: i but still it's all I see. Of
0: I say this as a matter of fact without passion or prejudice. This is the gayest song I have ever talked about on a podcast.
1: (laughs) That is, that is fact.
0: (laughs) Um, While I was compiling my list for this episode, um, I considered the classic song when a man loves a woman. Uh, And as soon as I thought about that, this little voice in the back of my head that I call my woke Jiminy cricket, kind of like tapped me (laughs) on the shoulder and went, ahem. (laughs) And I thought, well, okay, yeah, 99.9999% of popular love songs appeal to the heteronormative definition of a man and a woman. But as we know, that is not described every relationship, every kind of romantic or platonic relationship. So I wanted to include a song for this list that – at the very least, didn't exclude the LGBTQ plus population, and if possible, could even engage them more overtly. Luckily, I had this really gay song in heavy rotation on my playlist, and it was a banger. So, uh, this song by Perfume Genius, uh, I, I really dig it. It's a great dance track. The song is quite clearly about yearning for a man. Now, if the queer text of the song was bothersome for any listener or any other artist. It's It could be very easily changed. A female singer could cover the song, sure. and it's just a straight-up heterosexual song. Um, Another man could cover it and just tweak the lyrics so that it sounds like he's singing to a woman. It could easily be done if that was a problem. But even as a heterosexual listener, I I really appreciate how assertively and kind of nakedly the singer puts it out that he is yearning for a man and he marries it to just this killer beat. Yeah. Um, thematically, the song is about longing for someone and that one-sided love that we talked about. That's when you have a crush, that becomes a fantasy, that becomes an obsession, and yeah. how destructive that can be. Not necessarily in the sense of the destruction being really like damaging or dangerous, but in how it can be. How you can sacrifice a part of your identity, how you can give up what it means for your sense of being a whole person Mm -hmm. when you're that obsessed with somebody else. And personally, it just it reminds me of a lot of those lonely Valentine's days and nights when you wish you were with someone Um, and it's painful. And I remember being sad on a Valentine's Day in high school, not being with the girl that I wanted to. So I went into the basement I dropped acid, I turned off the lights, and I just danced to some techno music. I danced my sadness away. And then somehow I think that night ended up with me auditioning for a school musical. And <laughs> I, I, I'd have to ask my friends, Drew JT, to help inform the end of that story. But somehow me tripping balls ended up to me auditioning for a show. Um, as it should. It's sh- <laughs> as naturally. As um, it should. <laughs> but yeah, that was like yeah. So just this song, I love it as a beat. I love it as like a, a song about yearning and the obsession and and one sided love. Um, I also love it as just a an LGBTQ plus song, a a, a, yep. a gay song, just uh, for for being open about that and just being expressive about that, um, and just putting it on its sleeve and just being a great track that I just I, again like I didn't have to search for this song. Yep. I, I discovered yep. this one in 2021 when the, when the album came out and I've listened to it a lot since then. I just love the song. So,
1: Well, that's, that's cool. First of all, um, for everything that you just said, I appreciate you putting the song on your, on the list. Um, you know, you and I are very open-minded and it doesn't matter if the song's gay or straight or whatever or about interracial or whatever, like none of that stuff matters to us. Love is love. And I think that's amazing. And we should not actively seek out more more of the the this community this marginalized community and stuff but mm-hmm. you know we make sure that they're included when it's relevant and that kind of thing and this this i think is great i think it's great um and you're right you know i even the the if you you know forget about the male female aspect of the song whether you know whatever it's thematically everything you described is right uh, and i feel like i heard sting once describe every breath you take similarly mm-hmm. about when attraction to someone becomes obsession. And then yeah. you descend down this dark path where you're yep. no longer yourself, that kind of thing. Uh, thematically it feels like that. However, this is just a, like a Jamiroquai type of dance track, you know, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just, it's just right there. Like this is, this is tempo. This is fun. Um and the guy you know the the guy uh perfume genius who has a real name Mark Hed- Hedris I think is his yeah one. yeah something like that Mark Aaron Hedris or something um who goes by Perfume Genius he owns it he owns the sexuality and I think that's awesome I think I love that I love that about mm-hmm. it um I'm curious how I I've never heard of this artist or this song before you mentioned that you were gonna do this and I then in my research on it he discovered he has six albums out like he's he's had quite a few albums over the last over a decade so i'm curious as to how 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 i I have not heard of him
0: I I don't think I heard of him until this one came out. The the album set yourself on fire immediately, um, which was a 2021, which was right around the same time when I was trying to get back into listening to popular contemporary music because mm. mm. we talked about that before when I I'd, right. I'd done so I'd been so immersed in podcasting and picking up old songs to use as needle drops for the podcast that I felt like I went almost a decade without listening to new stuff. And yeah, a couple of years ago, I was like, okay, I need to figure out what is actually happening now. And I was just looking at lists of current, like some of the best albums of the year and Ooh. somebody's list either a friend or on um, one of those like articles mentioned this album and i gave it a listen and this particular track just stood out so much more than one of the it was one of the singles uh there is yeah. a video for this song and yeah but i i so i've heard two of his albums i haven't listened to that much more um but yeah this song in particular just
1: yeah, I I love that, and also you know, just the song itself. You know, I I appreciate the fact that you we did find an up tempo song <laughs> to put yeah, on yeah, this yeah. <laughs> on this rather somber, you know, romantic uh, kind of. We do, you know, there is some fun involved in being in love too. In this, yeah. you know, that at least the tempo and the dance. like I said, it's a little bit of Jamiroquai and maybe even a little bit of Beck. You know, I can mm-hmm, hear uh, mm-hmm. s- some some yep. of that huh, when Beck ape's Prince to a certain degree, right? Right. You know, so there's a lot of that. But this was a great song choice and a new discovery for me. So I appreciate you putting that on the list.
0: Yep. Alrighty. We got a few more songs to go. So what is next?
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to continue the theme of longing or perhaps the lonely hearts club of Valentine's day, which (laughs) everybody has been through at least once in their, in their career. And I'm going with a song that I alternated, which artist I wanted to choose for this up until just a couple of days ago. And I landed on, Thornetta Davis's version of Please Send Me Someone to Love.
4: And if it's not asking too much Please send me someone To love I lay awake nights And count the world's troubles To this damnable sin, what hate will put the world in a flame? What a shame! Just because I get misery. Sympathy, no. so if it's not asking too much, please send me someone to love.
1: The title itself tells you it's not quite a love song. It, it it falls more into that, you know, the like I said, the Lonely Hearts Club, somebody searching for love or looking for someone or being alone on Valentine's Day and hoping, you know, wanting the thing that you can't have that everybody else seems to have that type of thing. And there's song, this song was written at a time. It was, it was written by Percy Mayfield in 1950. It's a blues ballad, but the lyrics kind of go off and talk. They more talk about political events in, and society and things like that. So it's, there's a little bit of a deeper meaning to this where it's like, you know, a lot of bad things are happening, civil rights movements, stuff like that. And, you know, just can, can we find some love in, in the universe? And that's, that's kind of like the deeper meaning of the song. Here's my version, or here's my journey to get to this song. And this, you'll have to bear with me for a minute, because this is going to be a really wind winding road. So in 2003, 2004, I was engaged uh, planning a wedding to Tina, as you know, and we were discussing the uh, possibilities for our first dance. And we were trying to choose a song. And again, like you, we were trying to cho- not go with cliched songs, not go with certain you know uh traditions we're trying to buck them and find something originally our own uniquely our own and as fate would have it Dave Navarro and Carmen Electra were also going through <laughs> planning their wedding at the exact same time and My M- couple yeah absolutely one of the most beautiful couples in history um <laughs> but they were documenting their journey at the exact same time on an MTV reality show called Till Death Do Us Part I think or something something like that but it was just a very short-lived reality show that was like six episodes long. But it was about... There was a, there was a sequence where they're trying to choose their wedding song. Carmen Electra throws out Sade. And uh, she chose the song By Your Side, which that was the first time I'd ever heard that. To, to be clear, full disclosure, never listened to Sade before that. Never liked her. Um, okay, well, that's,
2: that's
0: going to be a problem because for next year, I was just going to do Sade's entire album,
1: <laughs> Well, <I've>, okay, <laughs> We'll get, we'll get there. <laughs> okay. But, but for, so the song by your side was an amazing track and it's a beautiful love song and it fits thematically the idea of a first dance, but, They had decided to use that for their wedding song. So as much as I love that song, I couldn't choose it for ours because that would be copying what Dave Navarro and Carmen Electra did. And I'm just trying to, you know, at every aspect of my life, I'm trying to outdo Dave Navarro and Carmen Electra. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I can't I can't meet them in the middle. So uh anyway, so I did a deep dive into some of the Sade's songs. I was like, wow, that's really good. Never heard that. Let's look into some more. And I kept searching through some stuff, non-singles, non, you know, non-radio releases. And then I discovered this song, uh, Please Send Me Someone to Love, done by Sade. And I loved this song, and I love this, and I always kind of put this on like a list, but I didn't know exactly where where it would live on like what playlist it would be because it's a romantic song in terms of tempo and feel. And it's very soulful and it's, it's, it's got elements that we love to a slow dance yet how, you know, I couldn't ever play like dancing with somebody at a wedding and have a song be titled, please send me someone to love. Cause it's like, eh, okay. That's going to give people the wrong impression. So, I was trying to, anyway, so I just, I wasn't sure where the song would live, but I always kept it in the back of my mind. It was always one of those great, great romantic love songs. And it reminded me of moments like we've talked about in a prior podcast in Pump Up the Volume, the song Why Can't I Fall in Love, where Christian mm-hmm. Slater dances, you know, that, where they go outside. It's, again, that song. You know, doesn't sound like it's a love song, but they made it a love song in that movie and it worked. And and there was just moments like that. So this song always was going to be there somewhere for me, waiting for me. And then this list popped up and you and I decided we were going to do this podcast, but we were going to cover all aspects of, you know, not quite being in love on Valentine's Day, wanting, longing for all those elements. Mm -hmm. So I came back to this song. Then, at the last minute, I realized that the song had been covered hundreds of times. Like, it was, you know, it's a very, very popularly covered blues ballad from the 50s. So, I I actually, believe it or not, you might not know this. Fiona Apple did a cover of this song for the movie Pleasantville. Um, oh! Yeah, it, very cool. Yeah, same song. Uh, Sade's version ended up being in the movie Philadelphia uh, with, mm-hmm. with Tom Hanks. And then I discovered this song. And the Thornetta Davis I've never heard anything else by her, but it's kind of got a little bit of uh, Etta James, a little bit yeah. of Aretha Franklin, um, yep. a little bit, you know, of that. And this live version, it's just an all-time epic blues ballad, but she sings it with heart, in soul. And it's got elements that meet my criteria for this list, because I can, I listen to this and I can picture myself being alone on plenty of Valentine's day night when all your friends are going out and your roommates are going out with their girlfriends and whatnot. Maybe you're in school, maybe you're in college, you know, who knows, but Mm -hmm. you just don't have it. And everybody else seems to have it and you want it. And Mm -hmm. this, this song falls neatly into that category. And I finally found a place for it here.
0: That is very cool. That is very, yeah, no, that's, that's great. And I, I, I like this. Song. I really like this version that I was not familiar with until you told me you, you kind of told me that you were hemming and hawing between these two different versions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you were like, there's a shot A version or there's this other one. And before I had even listened to this version, my instinct was, Okay, if we ever only ever talk about Shade once, I think there are better songs than, sure. than, than this one. Now, I didn't know the whole story, like what you were going to come back, like your backstory with the wedding and with Carmen Electra, my love. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> but, uh, but so, yeah, my instinct was I was like, all right, well, I'm probably going to go for the other version, but let me listen to it. And then once I did, I was like, this is a really cool version. Like this hits and exactly like, like the the Motown, the soul yeah. that I've been listening to a lot lately. Yeah. Early, pretty much since Christmas, I've been in this mood. Uh and like this plucked right into there. And I was like, Yeah, I'm I'm vibing with this one. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this is a really good choice, really great song. Uh I love it. And again, as as we did almost accidentally, segues perfectly in the next one that I've got.
1: <laughs> so. so okay. So what do you got? What do you got for your last song?
0: All right. So for my last song, so I, I consciously, I knew that just looking at my list, I didn't have a song by a female singer yet. So I needed to fill that gap. Um,
1: and you're a misogynist.
0: I, naturally. naturally. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's the last one, because it's a throwaway. It doesn't matter. Most people aren't even listening at this point in the podcast. <laughs> All right. So the song is Something He Can Feel by Aretha Franklin. Like you, I debated and scrutinized myself over what version I was going to play Mm -hmm. because there's this version by Aretha, and then there is an updated version from the 90s technically called Giving Him Something He Can Feel by En Vogue. Right. I'm going to go out and say, no, I actually – I do like the En Vogue version better. Mm-hmm. I like that song better. I think it's produced better. It just sounds great. Uh there is a music video to it that I am on record as saying is the sexiest music video <laughs> I've ever seen. Sorry, D'Angelo. I think this <laughs> one is better. Um I'll just say Jessica Rabbit ain't got shit on the girls
1: in this video. Yeah, um, why didn't they it, sing the song naked like D'Angelo did?
0: What? <laughs> they you know what? They're even sexier at clothes fully clothed. That's the whole point of the video. Yeah. Um but anyway, um, yeah, the so folks like 99 times I would have picked the En Vogue version, except the original has a story behind it. And that's why I'm going to talk about the Aretha Franklin version. So the song, Something He Can Feel, this was written by Curtis Mayfield, who I don't think is any relation to Percy Mayfield. who wrote the last song we talked <laughs> right. about. I don't think they're related. Um, but Curtis Mayfield, he wrote this song for the film Sparkle. Now, Sparkle was this 1976 musical about an all-girls soul pop group. Pretty much based on the Supremes, Supremes I think. Yeah. In the film, the song is performed by the the actors, the characters in the movie. But for the soundtrack, uh, Mayfield wanted Aretha Franklin and this backup group called the Kitty Haywood Singers to do the song. So they did it. I did not know any of that. I did not know that Aretha Franklin sang the song. Um, I knew that the Envoke version was a cover, but it never even struck me to mm-hmm. even look at who originated it. Never even was that curious about it. But, last year, about a year ago, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was February of two thousand twenty two My wife Angie, and I went to a concert, and it was probably like our first date after the pandemic, um and because of when the pandemic fell after Reese was born, it was kind of like our first date after having a kid <laughs> a couple years earlier. Um, The show that we went to was Queen of Soul, a tribute to Aretha Franklin, uh, and it was essentially this R&B funk band led by uh, a band leader named Damien Sneed, who had played with Aretha Franklin for a couple of years. So it, it, there's this band, and then they had four female singers on the stage who would alternate uh, who sings lead on a song uh, from the Aretha Franklin repertoire. And then the other three would do backup vocals and then they would switch out and they kind of like picked like who's really good at this version. Like one of them had the, the opera voice. So she did the Nesum Dorma. Um, oh, cool. Rita Franklin's very famous cover of very the Pavarotti, cool. yeah. uh, opera song. They did that. Um, and they switched out. Now the band did about eight songs like this. And then they brought out their special guest kind of headliner singer, uh, who's a woman named Valerie Simpson. Valerie Simpson was part of this songwriting duo called Ashford and Simpson.
1: Yes. Uh, they
0: wrote a bunch of Motown songs. They were on contract with your man, Barry Gordy.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Uh, Barry Gordy's cat. And his- <laughs> <laughs> so um, Ashford and Simpson wrote songs for Diana Ross. Uh, they wrote a couple of Marvin Gaye's songs. They wrote Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing. They wrote Ain't No Mountain High Enough, um, which, listeners, if you remember, the movie Guardians of the Galaxy. That's how it ends. It ends with them getting their new ship to the that song, um, and they wrote uh, or Valerie Simpson wrote "I'm Every Woman" by Chuck Khan um, and Whitney Did Houston not know actually, that. That's Whitney amazing. Houston covered that in the movie The Bodyguard. Yeah. So the thing is, uh, they, they do a couple of songs without her, and then Valerie Simpson comes in and starts her set. And early on into her set, they blow a fuse or there they trip something with the electronics on the stage. They're actually she was singing this song giving him something he can feel and i'm trying to enjoy because i'm like oh i didn't realize this was an aretha song i didn't realize i had that history so i'm kind of getting into it but i'm also watching the back of the stage one of the tech guys is like crawling on all fours trying to get behind the piano (laughs) and damien sneed is like yelling at the bass player who's not playing anything and they're kind of like jogging with like the drummer and i'm like there's something wrong there's something going on i was like i'm not hearing every instrument yeah like there's something going on up there um they end up doing something like anyway as soon as i know that i mentioned this to angie i'm like there's something going on upstage as soon as i say that the lights flicker and like half the sound system dies <laughs> and we're like oh this sucks damien sneak comes out he says hey can you give us five minutes we blew a fuse or blew like a, a power something we're going to look into this just give us a few minutes to come back Five minutes later, he comes back. He's like, "Hey, the problem is much worse than we thought. I'm not (laughs) sure we can fix it here. Um, We're gonna take like a ten minute intermission, like we would like before like the cover. It's like." is like, if you if you would indulge us, please stick around. We'll come back in 10 minutes if we're able to continue the set or not. So we go outside. A lot of people left at that point. Yeah. Um. We kind of, Angie and I go outside. We're debating it, whether or not we want to stick around for this thing. We are end up like, yeah, let's see what they can do. Um, Because I really wanted to hear them play the song from the Blues Brothers.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs>
0: which, which ultimately they did not. I think they cut uh, they think? Ended up cutting it. Yeah. <sighs> um. But we go back inside, and it took like about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then and they come back and Valerie's like, So here's the thing. We can't get the power on, uh, um, but we're going to try and give you a few more songs. We're going to try and continue the show. So they have the piano and they have the drums. And those are the only things that they can project to the back of the theater. Sure.
1: Yeah. They don't have the rest have electronics. of the
0: band and the backup singers comes out into the crowd and they're standing in the aisles amongst us. And not quite a cappella because they still have the drum and the piano. Right. Um, but they launched and they did like three or four more songs. Wow. Um, including, like, I Am Every Woman and some of these other things. And just, and it, it became this really kind of cool experience. Um, and, yeah, I, I had my notes. So it was February 21st. So it was a week after Valentine's Day. You know, it just started as us going on this date for a simple concert. And instead of it turning into, like, a normal thing, it, it became this really magical kind of musical experience. Because the band took what could have been a disaster. Yeah. But they handled it. And in coming out into the crowd, they made it a communal experience. They weren't just singing to us. They were singing with us. They were singing That's amazing. amongst us. And it turned to this surreal experience. It became profound and personal and soulful and spiritual. Um yeah. And yeah, sure. to share any kind of experience like that with somebody that you love more than anything and then to look in her eyes – and see that she's on the exact same wavelength as me. She's having the same kind of fun. And in that moment together, it's just beautiful. And it was one of the more tender moments we've had.
1: Wow. Um, and that, and then a hermit crab crawled over your foot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that
0: fucking hermit crab came back. <laughs> um and I just more and I just kept throwing up. I was like, I'm still throwing yeah. from the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh
1: man what a So story. yeah
0: so that was uh, so yeah because of that concert and just remembering that sort of Valentine's loving memory um and I I associate that with this song something he can feel so yeah I I like the En Vogue version more but this Aretha Franklin version has that connection to that concert
1: so That's so amazing that's that's absolutely amazing. And I'm I'm so glad that you didn't choose the In Vogue song just for that reason, because the mm-hmm. story, the story makes that song more special now. Yeah. yeah. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really have anything else to add. I'm not going to top that story. So <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> so uh, real quick, before I get to the final song, I'm going to share a quick little story, um, because at this point in the podcast, Chances are Alexia doesn't listen to these podcasts anyway, but if she does, she would have turned it <laughs> off by now. So now I can share this story since we're almost at the end. Um, so I mentioned at the beginning that Alexia and I met on February 9th uh, yeah. in 2016, I guess it was. And I got duped into that. And that first year was cool because we didn't really have to do much for Valentine's Day because we just kind of started dating. So it wasn't like we weren't sure if we were going to be serious for for a few weeks. So it was like a pizza and beer night kind of thing. Um, But as time went on, she became like all women in my life, you know, started to try and, you know, dominate me in other ways and, and took on. So she would then want to celebrate our anniversary. And then a week later want to celebrate Valentine's day. And I'm like, (laughs) that's, that's not fair. You can't do that. You know, this isn't like a kid born at Christmas time, you know, where, you know, this is, it's not the same thing. We can't, that's that, that's cheating. And, But she, you know, for some reason, found it within herself. She thought that that was valid, that no, every both of those days should be important to us. So I have had two major surgeries in my life fall on Valentine's Day. Uh, I, I had back surgery in 2017 on Valentine's Day. And in 2000, boy, 2020, maybe 20. 21, I guess I had thumb surgery, uh, because the surgery got postponed during the pandemic right. until they would reopen the hospital. So it was in 2021. Both of those surgeries fell on Valentine's Day. And what I will tell you and our listening public right now for the first time ever, those dates were chosen by me. It was up <laughs> to there, there is the Those hospitals both asked me, they're like, are you sure you want to do this on Valentine's Day? Now, too, Alexia. Alexia believes that, nope, that was the day that I was scheduled for. What am I going to do? I'm not the doctor. You know, what am I supposed to do? But I'm confessing to the world right now. Oh, yeah, I chose those. <laughs> Absolutely. So that was my way of getting out of at least two Valentines when I still had to celebrate an anniversary the week before. <laughs> so, so, what's more romantic than Valentine's Day in the hospital? So, <laughs> okay. All right, just had to squeeze that one in there. So, it's a very daily Valentine's Day, folks. <laughs> <It> very <laughs> much is, yes. Yeah. All right, in all seriousness, so I got one track left that I want to talk about. And this one I kind of went back and forth on. Um When initially approached for, with the idea of doing this, you know, I kind of just thought of just the blanket love songs without digging deep into them. One of the songs that popped into my head immediately was Secret Garden by Bruce Springsteen uh, from the Jerry Maguire soundtrack. And I really, really loved that song. but I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it for this version, uh, for this podcast. And I had recently, you and I had done a Taylor Swift podcast within the last year uh, or so and uh, discovered a lot of stuff from her. And there was a secret B-side that wasn't on her 1989 album, uh, but it was recorded at the same time. And I think it was out the B-side to a single or maybe it was a bonus track if you bought it digitally or something. But the song's called You're In Love
2: his place burnt toast sunday you keep his shirt he keeps his word and for once you let go of your fears and your ghosts one step not much but it said enough you kiss on sidewalks. You fight, then you talk one night. He wakes, strange look on his face. Pauses, then says, "You're my best friend." And you knew what it was. He is in love. You can hear it in the silence.
1: Musically, sonically, it sounds very, very similar to Secret Garden, and so it, it, it kind of it's got the same tempo, the same kind of rolling keyboard notes that carry you through. Um, Bruce Springsteen's song is more classic, but the reason I chose this one is because once I started to dig into this song. Uh, and this is a good way to to bookmark the end of the show, kind of like the way I opened the, the show with, with the Ed Sheeran song. Lyrically, I fell in love with what the story he was painting in that song. This one does the same thing. So in Taylor Swift's song here, I thought this was really cool because everybody in the world has been in this scenario before, I think, where you 're with your best friend, and you 're you 're spending time with somebody, and maybe it 's a crush or maybe not, but you're there 's an attraction building and then there 's a moment a defining moment where you realize you 're in love with that person and Taylor Swift describes that very, very well in the song she kind of paints she kind of puts words. To a feeling that everybody has had at some point now, whether it's not, whether it's required or not, that's up for debate and everything. But I think just about everybody in the world has had that moment where you look into somebody's eyes and you want to say it. You want to say the words for the first time and maybe you hesitate and maybe you're afraid. You don't know if they're going to say it back. Maybe you don't know if it's too soon. Maybe you're like me with my relationship with Tina where she said it and I took two years to say it. And so because I thought I was going to die. And so I said, I would say it then, you know, who knows. But this song is for everyone out there. It's that feeling of knowing it for the first time. When you look at that person, you're like, I'm in love. And that's what this song is about. And so I thought that this would be a perfect Valentine's way to end the show. And that's what I got. I thought it was kind of a universal theme.
0: Listening to this song, like, yeah, I, I agree with everything. And my only note for this one is listening. It it has a very sort of the morning after the first kiss, the morning after the yeah. first night together or something like that. And just kind of like waking up and and that's new awareness, that new kind of like realization mm-hmm. of, oh, I'm in something. I didn't like, I didn't realize how deep I was into this, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're, we're there. So that, that feeling. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I got. It's a good, it's a good one. So yeah. So, folks, so listeners, um, that is the first track list for a very daily Valentine's. And uh, just like what we do with the Christmas episodes and and the other times, like so much of the fun that we have doing this is engaging with you guys. Um, And certainly on the very daily Christmas episodes, your feedback, your throwing back some of your favorite Christmas songs Mm -hmm. was a big part of shaping how we approach those podcasts later on. We would love to do the same thing. Uh, If this becomes an annual event and I guess I can find a couple more love songs out there to do another (laughs) episode. So um, yeah. Yeah, There's more (laughs) prints. There is more prints. Yeah. Let us know um, what are some of your favorite love songs? Uh, Certainly there's lots that we didn't even consider. Um, Maybe you've got stories, your first dance, your first wedding, your love song, your first kiss, things that like spark those. Um, and and if we're able to, we can maybe we'll pick some of those songs that you're recommending, or we'll talk about them. We'll address those uh, when we do feedback for the next time. So, yeah, please by all means engage and share. Yeah, if if I'm right and it was Clinton Robinson who kind of mentioned this episode. Yeah, thanks for
1: thanks for sort of inspiring this. Um, yeah, and we'll do Arbor Day next. <laughs> yes.
0: Arbor,
2: yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah. um, Obviously I I just, I want to piggyback on everything you said. Um, I, you know, when we add – when we do the Christmas shows, you know, we love having people's feedback and and people give us suggestions for songs and stuff like that. But there's not a whole lot more to say about the songs that we haven't said kind of thing. Whereas this type of episode lends itself a little bit more for – I want to hear more of the stories from, from people. You know, if a certain song means something to you and why, you know, everybody's had that first dance. Everybody's had that first kiss. Everybody's had that first, you know, losing your virginity night. Everybody's had – you know, all those things – so this uh, hopefully will engage a lot of people to share uh, share stuff uh, with us that we can use. And then if you like it, we'll do it again. And if you
0: are, oh, let us know if you're okay with us sharing those stories or anything. Anything that you include in the comments, I will assume that you're fine with us. Possibly mentioning that and yeah. in a future podcast. If you don't want that to be spread or included, let us know. Certainly.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Like if you don't want to talk about putting your your wife on a plane on Valentine's Day, that's that's fine. You know,
0: I'm, I can't wait to tell how that story ends. <laughs> the ending is not yet
2: written. <laughs> <laughs> is not. Yeah, All I right, got to I,
1: I got to see if I have any surgery scheduled for <laughs> this <laughs> week. I might have to hurt myself. <laughs> might <laughs>
0: fire and water records is a proud part of the fire and water podcast network feedback for this show can be left at fire and as well as the facebook pages for fire and water records and fire and
1: water podcasts special thanks to our patreon supporters For information on how you can support Fire & Water Podcast Network, visit patreon.com fwpodcasts. All the music
0: clips are used for entertainment purposes. Support the artists and their work by purchasing or downloading the songs legally.
1: Aw, yeah.
0: As always, folks, thanks for listening, and don't get late tonight.
1: <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, kids. French. <laughs> I have never,
2: I've
4: never been in this situation before, but you know what? I'm going to embrace it, because you are here. You came with the love, you want to <laughs> hear the music, and we all love a Rita <laughs> You know, Aretha meant the world to me and the fact that she loved
2: Ashton Simpson songs really made our hearts feel good. And uh, on her Diva album, her last album, she did two, not one, two.
4: She said, i